Ava Addison's. Well, let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. It's still the beginning of January. I've been telling people, you know, at least some of my coworkers um, here, that uh, I'm going to say Happy New Year until the end of the month for you, just for you. Um, I think one of the one of the um, most awkward questions that you can ask somebody is on January one, um, say so. How's it going so far? Are you having a good year? <laughs> like I feel like at that point we don't really yeah. know yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, some people may feel like they had a bad day. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's oh, true. I don't know. Do you ever get tired of the jokes though? Like in the new year, like when people say, "This is the first bath I've had all year." Your first shower, you know, first time I've washed my hands all year. I don't really hear that joke anymore. Oh, in the past. Yes, I got tired of telling it. <laughs> yes, I kind of just took I a step I don't remember back. you saying it, but okay. <laughs> you don't remember my jokes about no. first time in the whole year on the man. Well, <laughs> you said that a lot? We don't know each other. I, I thought early on I'd make those jokes all the time. Maybe mm-hmm. I may, maybe I just made those jokes to my family. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it is kind of you know awkward I to don't remember. joke like that with your spouse. Yeah, probably just is like you know. Yeah, eh. I'd have been like, "What are you talking about?" Um, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> spouse without a sense of humor. Oh well, <laughs> I'm guilty of that too at times. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Anyways, um, there's a lot that I want to get to, and um, and you know, looking at, of course at what is happening in the world, but um, as I pray in the morning. And I asked the Lord to give us insight into what's happening in the culture. And I asked the Lord to help us to equip the body of Christ. Um, he is very faithful. And I really do appreciate that. And so we want to have a conversation around that. Now, I will tell you this, Will the Great. Mm-hmm. I am having a computer issue here. Uh-oh, computer issue. Yep, but watch. I'm not even going to sweat about it. It's too early for that in the new year. So I'm not going <laughs> to even. <laughs> anyways, we'll see. There we'll get go. it worked out. Um, but anyways, so, you know, I, I talk about... Um, we talk about what's happening in the culture and what's going on and then how can we respond spiritually. And so um, today is one of those shows where I want to do that. I want to discuss one of the things that I was discussing with the kids this morning. You know, we are working through the book of Acts and um, we're not just reading through it. We're studying through it. So that means that we can spend a lot of time on one chapter just kind of wringing out some of the content and talking about that. And uh, one of J.D.'s favorite words is cross-reference, like for our favorite terms, cross-reference when when we um, discuss something in the Bible Uh and then we say and then turn here and then let's look at this and let's look at how the scriptures confirm themselves to be true to be truly authored by the Lord right and uh, the reason he likes that I think is because it's confidence building it's confidence building to see that you've got one consistent message that is woven throughout the scriptures and and you see that the Lord is saying the same thing that he's not um, I guess you know schizophrenic or double-minded if if you will yeah and so anyway we've been working through the book of acts and um i want to point out something that i think will be encouraging to the body of christ i think it was encouraging to our kids as we were talking about it this morning 
got a lot of questions from them, which is what I look forward to because we're trying to um, we're trying to fortify their faith. We try to teach them to give a defense for what they believe, not just being content with them saying that they believe or acting like they believe, but with them truly being rooted in the faith. Right. And so this morning we were talking about um, we we're talking about Acts chapter 13. And as we were kind of going through, you know, I've had them um, watching out for four themes woven through the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. And then on Friday, as we were talking about Acts chapter 13, we we're on Acts chapter 13 on Friday. Um, I said, you know, as I was looking, at, I, I look at it ahead of time and take down some notes and things that I don't want to forget to point out to them. So right. then we get together in the morning then we're ready to go. And um, on Friday, I felt like I noticed something that I, I, I thought, man, you know, I, I kind of don't want us to miss this as an additional theme that you can see in the book of Acts. But then I thought it's not only in Acts, it's also in the letters. It's also in the epistles, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the fifth theme that I added for them to, to be on the lookout for was opposition as we're reading through the book of Acts, right? Yeah. So when you read through the book of Acts, you see apologetics, right? You see the gospel accurately communicated and defended. Mm -hmm. Um, You see the work of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. as you read through the book of Acts, going through these four themes that I originally pointed out to them. You see the expansion of the church. So you see the church growing, right? And then you see transparency in the church. You see that the Lord is building his church through human beings, people who are flawed, people who... Um, I mean, look, they, they've, they've got some faults. They've got some problems. Right. They're not perfect people. Right. And the Bible is very clear in pointing that out. But then there was a fifth theme that I thought is important for our kids to understand. And that theme is opposition, mm. resistance. And when you think about it, that seems like that should be one of the chief ones that you see yeah, in the book of Acts, right? Because even as the church is expanding, mm-hmm. even as the gospel is spreading, as you, you see the Holy Spirit is at work, mm-hmm. there is opposition. Yeah. So you see opposition, you see resistance. But here is something else that I told the kids this morning, and I'm going to tie this into our current events that we're looking at and have a discussion. One of the things that I, I wanted to look at today is uh, what's going on with the United Methodist Church. Yeah. We mentioned it on Friday, mm-hmm. uh, but guys, it, it just it just grieves me. You know, I, I don't I don't think it's something that needs to just be um, a headline that we move on from, mm-hmm. right? Because we are talking about a split in the church, and I understand that there are different people who have a different perspective on it. You know, or I should say, different perspectives on what they think should be done, um, and I understand that. But I think at the at the bottom line is that the church is dividing and it has been something of a demonic design. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's that's what we're looking at. So I want to I want to set this up Mm -hmm. with this encouragement and then also look at some of those current events. And then, as I like to do, Will, I would like to take a look back in history (laughs) in the history of the church so that we can see that when it comes to the Lord raising up people to deal with their culture at their time, he has no lack. Mm. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like the Lord does what his purpose is. He achieves his purpose. And so anyway, as you know, I I love church history. And so I love to see things as I'm reading through church history. Um, I love to have, you know, this, this kind of 
this epiphany where you go, whoa, we've already been here before. Mm-hmm. We've had things happen where you've had to have strong men and women stand up and do something that was countercultural. That's right. And this is the design of the Lord, right? So anyway, looking at the five themes in Acts, uh, apologetics, the Holy Spirit, the expansion of the church, the transparency um, that we see. God is working through human people, flawed people. But then there's also opposition and resistance. But there's something amazing that I saw as I was talking to the kids about this. Whenever you see, generally speaking, whenever you see opposition, and I kind of went around the table and I asked them to recall from Acts chapter 1, up until Acts chapter 13, I said, just remind me of some of the instances where you guys saw opposition or resistance to the expansion of the gospel. So I think Mariah said James when he was um, murdered by Herod, you Mm. know. Um, Gabby said Peter imprisoned Mm. twice. Mm -hmm. I added twice. She said Peter imprisoned. You know, I said twice, right? And then JD says Stephen, Mm. Stephen when he's stoned. Yes. And I mean, and just even our brothers and sisters listening to me right now, you can think of some of the accounts Mm -hmm. that, you know, from the book of Acts that represent opposition, right? Resistance (laughs) to the spread of the gospel. I mean, it's woven woven all throughout the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. But there is something else (laughs) that is woven all throughout the book of Acts. Whenever there is opposition. There is always a resulting opportunity. Mm. And the Lord sets this up. By his divine power, his sovereignty, his foreknowledge, that whenever the enemy works against the expansion of the gospel, whenever the enemy seeks to undermine the truth, when there's a counterfeit, when someone steps in, um, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of um, Barnabas and Saul to to bar Jesus, Mm. you son of the devil. Mm -hmm. You know, whenever you have a moment where you have to confront, you know, um, there always is then. I say always, but seemingly more often than not, there is then an opportunity that results for the gospel to continue to spread. Yeah. In other words, opposition is worked into the code. It's worked into the plan. Mm. It's accounted for. Mm -hmm. You know, people have all these questions about what our president has considered. Mm hmm. Well, did they, did they take this into account? Did they yeah. take this in, in, you know, all of these things because we're concerned. We don't know where things are going to go. When we talk about our faith, mm-hmm. we don't need to have those questions. Yeah. The Lord has already accounted for, if you will, the persecution of the believer, the suffering of the saints, mm-hmm. the fracturing of the church, yeah. the divisions within the church. And, and not only is it accounted for, it's a uh, uh, main ingredient for growth. Yes. It's like it's necessary that advancement will continue. And I think, you know, that's hard for us to to conceptualize Mm -hmm. because we've been very comfortable. Mm -hmm. We haven't had a whole lot of opposition. Mm -hmm. I say often, you know, it's it's easy to be a Christian where everybody's just pretty much good. You know, um, we haven't really had to practice being peculiar. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're just we're all pretty much the same. Right. Well, when you look through the scriptures, and in particular, and you look through the book of Acts, and I, w- I was also thinking of uh, Philippians. I was thinking of Peter, not Peter, Paul, writing to the Philippians um, from prison. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking of him writing about the persecution that he's suffering, but how he says that this has turned out to be an opportunity, right? And so even the gospel is reaching Caesar's household. Yeah. You know, and so one of his, one of his final words in the, in the book of Philippians, as he says, you know, and he's giving the final message of who's greeting and, and even, you know, mm-hmm. members of Caesar's house, yeah. you know? And so 
Paul is saying, even though I'm in chains, even though I'm in <laughs> prison, this has only served to advance the gospel. Yeah. But that's a theme of Christian living. Right. Yeah. So from Acts to Revelation, if you will, that's a theme of Christian living, that the church suffers persecution. There is opposition to the expansion of the gospel, right? There is resistance to the work of the Holy Spirit. But that's that's baked into the cake of what it is mm. to live for Christ Jesus. So when we look at what is happening with the United Methodist Church, church, even though for me, I have to say it grieves me. It comes like and I'm not Methodist. Like right. that's not my denomination, mm -hmm. but I care about the bride of Christ. And so when I look at that, you know, I, I, I keep thinking about it, keeps coming back to my mind. I see the hand of the evil one. And I see his desire to destroy the faith of believers as they watch the church crumble. Mm. See, this has far reaching consequences. This is not just about the United Methodist Church, right? This is people saying, oh, well, OK, well, if we can have a successful, quote unquote, split. <laughs> and we've been here before. We've seen this. We've seen churches do this. We've seen denominations go through this. In fact, again, I want to we're going to look at some church history on the other side of the break. We've seen this happen before. But then the question becomes, so so we are free to rewrite what we think about the word of God. So <laughs> so we are free to to create a new doctrine. And, and this is what I think believers have to understand. No matter where you stand on this, no matter how you think about this, you have to understand that reworking the scriptures in any form, in any form is an assault on the gospel. Mm. You, you cannot have, and, and so you have the United Methodists who are saying, you know, we're going to hold on, the majority, if you will, is going to hold on to the name United Methodist, mm -hmm. and then you'll have the traditionalists break off and become their own group. But here is what I think should be most comforting to the quote-unquote traditionalists. There is no gospel that remains when you compromise the scriptures. So mm -hmm. now what you have is you have a shell of a denomination you don't have a denomination that's rooted in truth, so you have another gospel. Right. So, so really, though you present yourself as the mainstay, you actually are the spinoff. Right. You're the spinoff. The traditionalists, quote unquote, are not the spinoff. <laughs> We're the ones who, who are holding the line, those of us who hold to the truth of Scripture. Amen. And look, this is why it becomes vitally important for us to understand that because the culture changes does not give us license to rework the word of God. That's right. When you do that, you clearly have some new gospel, which, as the Apostle Paul said to the Galatians, needs to be rejected. All right. This is Aaron Lee Addison's on American Family Radio. We'll grab the break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Cam and Jay Lee, the producer with Holy, Most High God. 
Um, let me just say this as a quick little note. So I was tagged in a post by a sister who um, was alerting me to the fact that Samaritan's Purse has an app, um, the Greatest Journey app. You know, we talk about the mm-hmm. Greatest Journey. We talk about giving shoe boxes. And, um, and so I said, okay, well, I'm going to download it, and then I'll check it out later during free time. Not my free time, but the kids' mm-hmm. free time. Okay, who am I kidding? I watched over their shoulders. <laughs> uh, they love this app. Really? They so love if okay. they love this app, and I will, I will say this. Uh, as you know, your kids are very critical. They mm. are very there. They are yeah. judgmental. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't like they don't like bad graphics. Right. They're like, oh, come on. <laughs> they don't like cheesy plot line. They don't. I mean, they're very, very critical, very judgmental. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we like it. So <laughs> um, I'm kidding. So anyway, we download this app and I told them about it. And I said, but you can't play until you finish up all your school and you finish up your chores, which mm-hmm. is so 1840s. But <laughs> they still have chores They still exist. And they chores. have to get them done. Right. And so um, you should have seen how they were like, OK, OK, you know, we'll, we'll you know, but we don't know. <laughs> right. They're, they're pretty skeptical. Yeah. They, they want to play, but they're like, you know, but we're not really not really sure. So we come around time uh, that now J.D. is going to get to go first. Okay? OK. And so immediately you open the app, uh, The Greatest Journey, right? The Samaritan's Purse, The Greatest Journey. You can find it if you have an iPhone or an Android is available for both operating systems. And so anyway, he opens the app. And then this this music, this like, vroom, like it's it's you go, you're traveling. Okay. And then you get to de- to design your avatar, so okay. you get to pick skin color, hair color, hairstyle. Then you get to pick uniform and all of these wow. things. Oh that, that, my goodness! They, I can see that they like that. So already. the graphics are amazing. Kudos okay. to Samaritan's Purse. Thank you for caring about Christian kids. Yeah. We don't want any apps that don't care about <laughs> Christian kids. They're like, ah, oh, they're just Christians. <laughs> we don't have to sync the mouth with like, <laughs> no, you better sync the mouth. Nobody wants to play games that looks like you're watching those old Chinese movies. <laughs> right. It's the equivalent. It's a 21st century equi- uh, Christian equivalent. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Godzilla movies of apps. We don't want that in our apps. If you do that to Christian kids, I don't like you. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> There's not a lot of them that do that, but there's some that do that. And we don't give you a pass because you're Christian. We will drag for you if you do a poor job in your graphics because you're supposed to actually do the best job because you're supposed to better than anybody else understand that you're doing it for the glory of God. Mm. And then people say, well, Mika, you don't understand how much money that costs. Well, get, <laughs> get sponsors, okay, because our kids will judge you. Anyways, kudos to Samaritan's Purse. It's a great, great app. They love it. Um, so they, they get to like travel to different countries. and So wh- from wh- what I the- understand is that they are traveling through Bible history ah. to they're going on the greatest journey. Um, and now I don't understand exactly what they're going to do. They kind of, you know, I was looking they over their gifts. shoulder. I was trying to see. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but but they're just starting. So they're they're in Genesis. So, oh, wow. So okay, they were, so they they were all... in the Garden of Eden. I mean, J.D. Oh. had to scan the animals. He had to scan the creation. Oh, like, man. I mean, it's like he had to move the iPad, like move it around, scan the animals. And here's the thing that I liked about it. If you didn't do it according to the directions, according to the instructions, you didn't get it. Because he was just kind of doing, he's like, okay. And, and Mariah was like, no, you need to keep following the arrow. Like you need to keep. Wow. So, you, so you had animals behind you. Mm-hmm. And you, I don't know what the purpose of it is. You know, well, I got stuff to do. I can't, I, I can't watch the kids play on the, you know, no, Man, knock sounds, to you. That sounds Franklin. pretty cool. 
Anyways, okay. um, but so I just want to tell Christian parents about that because, you know, we're always decrying what's going on with the culture and with entertainment. And we're yeah. always talking about how we have to be so vigilant and we have to be on guard. And so when you've got a Christian organization like the Samaritan's Purse that does something like this, we want to say kudos. And um, having watched J.D. begin his trial mm-hmm. of it um, so far, so good, yeah. because usually they know immediately. Right. They're like, no. <laughs> right. And, and yeah, okay. yeah, there's some there's some free apps that were that were educational apps that I would you know download for them, and then mm-hmm. we routinely go through and purge. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's some just the graphics were horrible, and they're like, delete that, <laughs> <laughs> delete that. We don't need that anymore. But anyway, Samaritan's Purse seems to be a winner. So if your mom, your dad, your grandma, and sometimes you're on babysitting duty, and you have a little iPad that you keep uh, just for when the kids come along, uh, the grandkids, some grandparents are like, what do you mean? That's, that's my iPad. I use it even when they're not here. Well, good. You can download the Samaritan's Purse app for yourself. That's right. Pick your own avatar and design check it. check that out. Okay. Yeah, Samaritan's Purse. You go to their website or you just look for it in the app store mm-hmm. if you have a, you, you, what do you guys call it for Google? Yeah. The, yeah. Google Play Store? Yeah, that Google you Play Store. You don't go there a whole lot. See, I show them. When you're, when you're a parent or, or, or a single, Sherry's like, hold on. Google Play Store. <laughs> your kids are grown, right? Um, then you, you're very familiar with apps because you're constantly searching for things that like are good for kids that you, you know, yeah, that you can shape anyway. So I just wanted to uh, give a shout out for that. Okay. Um, the other thing we are going to be, you and I on January the 19th. Yes. Is that right? January the 19th. We're going to be at faith Baptist church in Fulton. That's right. On a Sunday morning at a fellowship breakfast. Yes. 7 a.m. Yes. 7 a.m. Uh, we're going to be talking about family discipleship and passing the gospel on to your children, onto the next generation. So mm-hmm. um, moms and dads will be joining us on Sunday morning at Faith Baptist in Fulton. Yes, yeah, the service before the service. It's the service before the service. That's where <laughs> both Miki and Will sound exactly the same. Their voices are very deep. <laughs> when it's that early in the morning, it's James Earl Jones is my voice. That's it. <laughs> Look out there, Simba. Like it's it's <laughs> it's just anyways. Um, so that's that's at Faith Baptist Church, seven AM mm-hmm. in Fulton. And if you're in the area and you want to come out, Will the Great and I will be discussing the importance of family discipleship and training our kids and passing on the gospel to the next generation. Mm-hmm. Cannot stress that enough. All right, now moving on. Um, the United Methodist Church. A plan for the separation of the United Methodist Church was announced through the Council of Bishops website. The proposal was a result of months of negotiation (laughs) with key bishops and leaders of caucus groups. I'm going to say this line here, read this line, and then I'm going to pause for a second because I want us to have a little discussion around this. The process was aided by Kenneth Feinberg. Mm -hmm. And if people are going, your brain right now is going through bins. You're like, I have the name Kenneth Feinberg in my mind. You're going through bins. You're going... Ken Feinberg, Ken Feinberg. How do I know that name? You remember Ken Feinberg after 9-11? Mm-hmm. You remember the special attorney hired to de- determine how much each of the victims of the, each of the families of the victims of 9-11 should be compensated for the yeah. loss of the family? You remember? Yeah. It, and, and I remember this very clearly because I actually presented um, a, a gospel message around this after 9-11 to mm-hmm. college students. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was shocking to me, but I but I understand it. But, you know, anyway, Ken Feinberg came up with a formula. You remember this mm-hmm. to determine 
what each family should be paid who lost a, a loved one during 9-11. Right. So based on the age of that loved one, what would have been their earning um, you know, capacity, what mm-hmm. it was that they did. Um, then, of course, just the basic just suffering, pain and suffering kind of a thing. And it seems like he's made his like reputation about doing things like this over, you know, uh, drastic, tragic events of putting value on the worth of, of the victims and what families should get and stuff like that. That That is. And, and, and look, I understand it. I mean, he did the same thing for the Aurora, Colorado mm-hmm. um, the, victims, families. The movie. The yeah. Issue. Those who were shot in the in the movie theater in Aurora. And um, and I understand, you know, you. you you need to have someone come in and, and mediate that. He he was involved in the uh, Jerry Sandusky, Virginia mm-hmm. Tech, uh, Sandy Hook. Mm-hmm. All that's all Kenneth Feinberg. Yeah. Well, the United Methodists have invited that Kenneth Feinberg wow. in now. That's now he's doing it pro bono. He's uh-huh. not being paid to do this, and I think that that is important. Yeah. But they have invited Kenneth Feinberg in to help them come up with. This separation, deal, basically, this deal. Yeah. I call it a divorce. Yeah. To me, it looks like a, it's OK. So we're we're splitting up and and and, you know, and maybe maybe it's not even maybe it's a I don't know. Maybe that's disrespectful to call it that. I, I don't mean to to minimize what's happening here. But there is this, you know, who gets to keep the last name, you know, kind of a thing. Right. Who gets to keep the name? What money goes where? But the United Methodists have have come up with this this split. Right. And so those who want to depart from the authority of Scripture mm-hmm. will keep the United Methodist name. Yeah. The traditionalists will break off and have an as-yet-to-be-determined name. Right. Now, here is something else that's interesting to me about that. The traditionalists who break off will receive... Financial compensation, yeah, yeah. alimony. <laughs> I mean, I guess they will they will receive support, financial support. Mm-hmm. All right, included in that financial support, if you will, will be money that is allocated for those who have been harmed because of their race or their ethnicity. Right. by the United Methodist Church, but it is the traditionalist group that will be paying those people who have a grievance from the fund <laughs> that the majority or that the mainstay group has allotted them. Yeah, it's, it's do you understand that better weird. than I do? Like, do you, I don't do understand you? where that por- portion of it comes in. I can see if they, w- and I say, I say I can see, but I understand better, you know, if they're saying that, you know, because this will be a spinoff, we want to provide some money for them to operate and to do some things. I don't understand the whole ratio, that part of it, like money for people who have been d- done wrong. That makes no of their sense. Race, like I this, don't understand this that. is critical theory. This is this is a form of of reparations. It seems to me, and it it, it makes absolutely no sense. So the United Methodists would designate a sum of thirty eight million dollars to the new traditionalist Methodist Church over a four year period. And the new traditionalist Methodist Church would in turn contribute $13 million of that $38 million sum to fund addressing racial and ethnic injustices. What, it almost like, seems to me that it is a penalty. So in other words, now I, this is just my understanding and maybe there's yeah. someone who, and which by the way, we invited um, a Methodist pastor on who mm-hmm. is writing about this and we just didn't hear back from him in time. 
But it seems to me that because the traditionalists want to hold on to the biblical view of human sexuality, they need to make reparations to those that they have harmed in the past, unless there's something that I didn't see. And I didn't see this in anything that I read, but it would seem if this, if the United Methodist bottom line are at fault, then it would seem to me then that the United Methodist church who's getting to keep the name would also be making reparations. Right. I don't understand that portion of it. I, I don't, I don't understand why that, how that came into play. Why that was even listed as something that would be paid by the spinoff group. Well, I think, I, well, I'll tell you what I see it. I think that it's punishment. I think that it's punishment. I think that the punishment what, is having to be a spinoff group. And that I you, agree with you. Well, I think then it's insult to injury then. Yeah. I agree with you on that. I would say I would say that this is what it is. It is if that you whole are holding thing is, is crazy. How 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 are they the spinoff group <laughs> when it's not them who are going away from the Bible? Mm-hmm. Like the United Methodist should be the United Methodist, the traditional group, and the spinoff should be the ones who <laughs> want to promote homosexuality. Like, why would they even stand for that? I don't even see how that's even a, a, a conversation. Well, and let's be clear, they have not. They're voting on this. Say, this. Right. This is going to be. But it, in Minneapolis it in May like it's going to be of this year uh, passed, though, from how they're saying they have it, the proper seems like support. They've all agreed on it. Well, it seems like there are many people who agree to this. Yeah. Um. Uh, it's just. Yeah. I don't know. I, I will tell you something, though. And I, I was thinking about this this morning and, and I, w- I was kind of um walking back because I, I'm I'm aware that the Methodist Church was adversely affected by the sin of slavery in this country, as were many denominations. In Mm -hmm. fact, you had from 1861 to 1865, you had many churches split over the issue of slavery. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, post-1865, you had very few of them reconcile. I mean, Mm -hmm. some of them did, uh, some of them did not. But the the Methodists were among that group. It was also the Baptists, which is why you have Southern Baptists, the Episcopalians, the Presbyterians. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you have these things in the history of the church in America, yes. right, adversely affected by the sin of slavery. And so I wonder if this is a, this is in our history kind of a thing. This is, I, I don't know I, what I this can, is. I can see that being the case mm-hmm. because that article that, that I read, it said that, the Methodist church has went through many changes and, and uh, like it combined with another group to be the Methodist. And mm-hmm. this, at one point it said, and I think it was 1939, you know, they finally came together to become the United Methodist. If, if I'm not uh, making that mistake. So it seemed like they had some, they may have had a time in there where they had uh, a heightened racial, you know, and they try to, they try to like rectify it. And I don't, I don't, I could see a throwback to that time being a punishment for now because now the atmosphere is ripe that you want to punish anybody, you know, who has a hint of they were racist in the past mm-hmm. or, you know, if your if your group has some type of, you know, problem with that, they're being punished today. Yeah, I think that, and I think that's what we see. Yeah. I think that for the traditionalist group, it is if you hold to that, then you must also hold to antiquated ideas about ethnicity yeah. and about culture. So I see that as a punishment. If I'm a part of the traditionalist group, look, if there's a split that has to happen, you know, there's going to be a fallout. And however these people politically decide this, I, you know, which is why I hate the politics of stuff like right. this. This is the church of the Lord. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're bringing in Ken Feinberg. That's You're crazy. bringing in, I, I think, a first Corinthians That's, chapter six. Yes. 
<laughs> did you did that scripture comes from maybe we should talk about that when we get back i mean it's not a perfect application mm-hmm. but it's what i was reminded of as i was reading this i'm thinking you're going to the world to help you mediate that's what are you doing. kidding me that's exactly the things of happening. god yeah all right we got to grab the break erin the addison's american family radio we'll be right back sure if there is a faith baptist church in fulton <laughs> but if there is a faith baptist church in fulton they just say we didn't invite them <laughs> we don't know where they're going to be they're not going to be at faith baptist they're not co- we still coming oh no, uh, right we're still gonna <laughs> <laughs> no. i i tell you what we're supposed to be at it's first first baptist, baptist church. church thanks john our bad shout out to our brother john Tamigi just just said it's faith baptist is first baptist first baptist sorry in fulton like, please, me. Faith, I mean, Faith on, Baptist is something else, something totally different. First Baptist Church in Fulton. Yes, First Baptist in Fulton. Faith is? Baptist will be at next month. In February. In February. Yes. yes. That's that's what's going You're on. You're going too many places, Miki. First, we Stop must. going to all these places. First, <laughs> we must have faith. Um, anyways, no, um, both of them critically important yes. to the health of believers living in 21st century America. Understanding how, and the <laughs> Babylon's like, you know what? Uh, <laughs> knowing how important it is um, for us to pass down our faith to our kids, right? Mm-hmm. To the next generation. Um, so that is happening January 19th at First, First. Baptist Church in Fulton. Yes. Yes. And First then we'll just stop Baptist. at faith. If there's a faith Baptist church in Fulton, I mean, <laughs> y'all having supper? We're going over there too. Anyway, and the but faith Baptist is February 8th and 9th. 7th. You know what? I'm just this is why Seven women are not eight. allowed to speak in no, church. No. Go ahead. So <laughs> stop it. <laughs> this is not church. Faith <laughs> <laughs> Faith Baptist yeah. Church will be have, happening February 7th and 8th. And that will be the the conference where we will be exploring the whole critical race theory, the intersectionality, you know, social justice and all of that. Uh, what is it called? God is enough. The gospel is enough. Gospel is enough. The gospel is enough. Yeah. Can I say something here? And then we'll go back. Gospel is enough.com. Yes. Gospel is enough.com. Do you guys remember um, tool time? Yes. Remember tool time? Mm-hmm. You remember the neighbor who always talked behind the fence? Yes. Okay. You, they never showed all his face. So Sherry B is talking to me. And she has that a, monitor. But the monitor is covering her mouth. <laughs> and she's very expressive, she is. She's flailing her arms and she's moving her face. And I know that she's saying something. Something very important. It's very important, but I can't see. It's, it's like the neighbor conversation. That's funny. But That's here's, exactly here's, what it's like. Yeah. But here's what makes it really bad. She sometimes is impatient because she's like, you should understand what I'm saying. Her eyes get so dramatic. But I can't read her lips. I'm glad I'm facing this way. Yeah, you can't see that. It's I very intimidating. I kind of see a glare in the monitor here, but I can't really it's see it. It's very threatening. <laughs> She'll give you a queen's wave when you're nice to her. But if she's telling you something you don't understand, you're getting daggers with those eyes. Oh, man. Good thing that's all I can see. I can't see, <laughs> can't see her lips moving. All right. Anyway, gospelisenough.com is where you want to go to register. Gospelisenough.com. That's going to be in Bartlett, Tennessee. That's yes. the Memphis area, Germantown. Yes. That area. Beautiful area. Mm-hmm. Um, we, We've gone there. At least once. Yeah, it's been a while. Mo- it's been a while. Yeah, since um, we've been there. But yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, so that's in February. Fulton is January the nineteenth. That's right. That's seven a.m. 
7 a.m. That's the early bird service. <laughs> it's not. A, it's a breakfast. Well, it's a breakfast. There's gonna be food, and it's okay. Yeah. It's all right. All right. Um. So let me let me move on, because we were talking about what's going on with the United Methodist Church here, right? Mm-hmm. And talking about the split. And and as I understand it from church history, there were churches that split, um, over the issue of slavery, mm-hmm. and most of those churches reunited after mm-hmm. some time and those times varied, you know, mm-hmm. most of those churches reunited with the exception of the Baptist. Right. That's why you have the Southern Baptist and then you have Baptist. Right. So I think that that was the only one that did not. That's reunite. the only one I know of, but there might be, you know, but again, with something. this Methodist thing, I uh-huh. think that's, you're right in what you were saying that the reason they can bring up about race stuff because this atmosphere that we're in mm-hmm. is harkening back to stuff that happened that probably was, you where know, you have to pay for restored, it. but it's like, no, y'all still need to pay for it's this. Wicked. Yeah, it it, is it's wicked. It's absolutely wicked. But here's the thing. And I think this is how we get duped because you have you have one story, you get one perspective, and then you say if they're allowing money or allotting money for this, then there must have been something really bad that the Methodists did that they need to make reparations for. But I think it's important for us to also know that pre-Civil War, when you're talking about the Methodist Church, um, I think it was Bishop Francis Asbury who worked with and I've presented this at one of our conferences last year and when I talk about church history because I think this is a beautiful display of the Lord working despite what we saw happening in the visible church in the United States of America this this horrible division I mean it was really the church was as divided as the nation over the issue of slavery and the enemy has worked that to his advantage right. by the way right now we don't have to continue to be victims of that right. you understand what I'm saying but the enemy has worked that to his advantage but before the Civil War, before we were in, embroiled in this North versus South type thing, um, Bishop Francis Asbury helped a freed black slave. This man, uh, Allen, Richard Allen is his name, mm-hmm. was his name, Richard Allen, who purchased his own freedom from his slave master. Um, Asbury helped Richard Allen start the African Amen. Methodist Episcopal yeah. Church. Mm-hmm. He's he's the one. I mean, he preached at the dedication. Sir. Yeah. I mean, he <laughs> helped this black man start this denomination because they were so segregated and so divided. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how do you just pick the portions of history that you like? You right. know what I mean? You just pick right. the portions of history that you want to fixate on and you want to say, then you owe money for this. Mm. You must make reparations or pay reparations for this. When when you talk about the patchwork of the church, we know that, man, the church has had her ups and downs Mm -hmm. for 2000 years Mm -hmm. whereby people have gotten it right. They've gotten it wrong. You've had to correct. You've had to reform. Mm -hmm. Right. But now you come along and because, again, the the system, the culture, the environment, if you will, is ripe for this type of. Pay me, pay me, pay me. You owe me something. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've hurt me. Mm-hmm. And now we see this happening in the church. Yeah. I would also remind our listeners, then we'll go to the phone lines and get, get our listeners' take on it. Um, I would like, like to also remind our listeners that the Lord continues to use and, and has used brave men and women to stand up in their culture and to tell the truth about who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And I was thinking about this earlier today. I want to share this with, um, with our listeners, and I hope that it will be an encouragement. I was thinking that in the United States of America, we need um, a a Clapham community. Clapham. C L A P H A M. A Clapham community. Okay. This Go was on. this was <laughs> this was a town that existed that was three miles outside of London. Three okay. miles outside of London. 
And this was the epicenter for evangelicals in the early 19th century in London, right, who were, they understood that the integrity of the gospel had to be preserved. So they kind of tucked themselves out of the larger culture. Mm. They tucked themselves out of the Anglican church, all right? And they said, man, the gospel is true. How do we live in a way in every single area of our lives where we display that? Now, what's interesting to note about this group of Christians, of evangelicals specifically speaking, guys, church history is so important, Mm. so important. Because in 2016, they endeavored to make evangelical a cuss word. Right. So, so when people tell you, oh, that 80 plus percent of evangelicals, you should say, oh, the ones dating back to Wilbur, William, uh, William should, Wilberforce. Thank you. Man, I was on a roll too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whenever you, you no, it, just get back if you're going to have just a good back clap on. back, you can't stumble and falter. You got <laughs> you to clap back. The ones that gave us William Wilberforce. Yes. He was a part of this Clapham community. He mm. was a part of these evangelicals. Guess what? And, and listen, I know sometimes we don't like this, but he was a part of this evangelical community in the early 19th century that had power and they had influence. He was a part of the House of Commons. Wow. And he used his evangelical conviction mm. and his power and his influence to pressure and to pressure and to push to see slavery abolished in Great Britain. Mm. This was an amazing thing. But look, where did this come from? This came from faithful Christians going against the grain of their culture. Yeah. You can't wa- you cannot be effective if you walk around with white guilt. Mm. You cannot. You <laughs> cannot. If you have a voice, if you have discernment and can see what's going on in the culture, then you're needed in the battle. That's right. You're needed in the battle. That's right. You, you got to be about the work. You got to put in the work. You can't be intimidated by these, you know, Akimini Uwans who like to say that they have receipts. <laughs> you know, who, who, like to, who like to say things like whiteness is rooted in pillage and plunder. Mm. But it's also rooted in freedom and liberty. <laughs> and there were some misses, right? Yeah. In all of our cultures, in right. all of our ethnic backgrounds. Right. Now, look, I will say this, and, I, and I, I look at what's going on with the United Methodist Church and, and maybe what happened in the churches in, in America um, during the Civil War and post the Civil War. I say maybe. No, it was. It was a failure. The church had a huge misstep in that the church took on the culture of our country. Mm. The church was supposed to be a beacon. It's supposed to be light. Yep. That's, what, that's why we admire the Puritans. <laughs> that's why we admire the Congregationalists. Why? Because they were like, and, you know, the Church of England, I mean, it's got all the liturgy and it's, it's got the sacraments and all of that stuff. But I mean, it's it's not <laughs> what we see in Scripture. Yeah, we have a high view of Scripture. That's what the church was supposed to be in America. The church in America was supposed to say, you know, um, I understand that this is a huge part of our industry here and we have these things. going, But, you know, um, mm. that's not what we see in Scripture. Right. We see Jesus Christ dying to set men free. Yeah. Yeah. We can't enslave them. <laughs> All right. Let's try to squeeze in a few calls. Uh, 866-589-8840. It's been a minute. It has been. 866-589-8840. 866-589-8840. I look at what is happening with the United Methodist Church. And I wonder if the the church having gone through this sort of purification post the civil war Mm -hmm. where then you saw churches come back together 
you know, churches reconcile and the Lord start the healing work in our nation. And it took a while because the churches should have been at the ready yeah. to be a part of that healing bomb. Instead, we had to recover ourselves. Yeah. We had to like, oh, you know, we got this wrong. We, you know, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I wonder if what we see happening with the United Methodist Church is a part of the Lord, the Lord continuing to purify the church, yeah. you know, and to show the true church. It's not just about denoma, denominationalism. Right. Right. Um, it is about the true church as, as they would have called it, um, the high church, mm-hmm. the visible church, the mm-hmm. church of the Lord Jesus Christ, not just saying, you know, I'm a part of the church cause I'm a part of this denomination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's kind of yeah. different. And I think, you know, we are seeing more and more and it's sad is that the culture has infiltrated the church yeah. and is gaining ground. When you see denominations like this, the third largest in the United States, who when you look at, when you think about, you know, who it was founded, like how it was founded, you know, we think about Wesley and, and, and when you look at that and you say like, man, they are about to possibly split. Yeah. Possibly uh, split over, you know, uh, uh, homosexuality, man. I think it is a purifying thing. I yeah. think God is, you know, distinguishing between the two what's real and what's not real. 888-589-8840. I said 866. That's why. Sorry about that. It's oh. 888-589-8840. <laughs> number one, if you're going to give the number late, you better give it right the first time. You, give it. <laughs> right. you guys need to know that I'm secure enough to criticize myself publicly. <laughs> yeah. Understand yeah. that. Like I can, yeah. I can take it because I can give it. 888-589-8840. That means we're going to get at least one call, one long winded call that will take us <laughs> to the end of the show. Here is my, here's my point. The church has always been tasked with setting the temperature and whatever culture, whatever environment we exist in, mm-hmm. the church is supposed to be setting the temperature, not just registering it. That's right. What we see happening with the United Methodists is that they are, you've got a portion of that group that's just registering the temperature. Mm-hmm. Hey, the time is ripe right now for mm-hmm. us to just throw caution to the wind, mm-hmm. right? But we're supposed to be setting the temperature. We're mm-hmm. supposed to be saying, this is our faith. This is our profession. We cannot deny the truth. Yeah. We have no other gospel. All right, let's do this. Let's try to squeeze in one more. I say one more. It's going to be the only call. Well, all right, let's go to Julie in North Carolina. Hi, Julie. Hello. I am so thankful and blessed to be on your show today. God bless you. Um, this is a long-winded winded call. Um, <laughs> again, thank you for bringing the truth out. I am a... Um, United Methodist, born and raised. However, my mom always told me that it doesn't matter the name on the door as long as the Word of God is being preached. Mm. Um, we feel like some of the progressives have hijacked our church, and I just want listeners out there to know, if you hear any um, percentages being told, don't believe them, because in our church we have delegates that are um, chosen by bishops to represent us. And we have lay members that represent our church when it comes to a vote in the annual conference and or general conference. And the problem there is lies is that they are not, it was our understanding this past year, that they are not required. Our representatives, which is like someone in our Congress, do not have to listen to what our church majority wants. And mm. so they vote what they call their own conscience and in a secret way so that we don't know what they're voting. And they're wow. representing us, and we don't have a say in that. And so we're feeling very um, railroaded. And uh, But we know God, 
is more powerful than they are and that the truth will will be you know will succeed in all amen. of this. Amen. Amen. Uh, ask you and your listeners to please please pray for our church. Okay. Um, we, there are those of us that want to keep the doctrine as it is, which amen. is the traditionalist view. Amen. Julie, I'm so sorry. We got to run. That's my fault. Wow. I take responsibility for that, but we will continue to pray. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.